Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, episode 52. I'm Kurt Schilling. He's Bill Graff. What's up, Bill? How are you, Kurt? New, I'm, new I'm good. Story. I'm glad the internet's working. A little different confines. I'm in the man cave. Uh, for all you married young men out there, this is what it looks like. Uh, no matter how much money you make, eventually your wife will relegate you to a very small, I'm going to say 10 by 12 foot man cave. Uh, while well, she takes over the rest of the house, and there's nothing you can do about it. So I'm in the man cave. Uh, internet's out at the studio, so we're working uh, like crazy to get that fixed. But we got some, we got a lot of stuff to get to today, Bill. And we're going to start with uh, a retirement. Uh, and this, so Bill, you know how I am about things like this. I, I don't have a problem talking about players in in, uh, in from an opinion perspective. Um, I don't ever want to be seen as bad mouthing a player uh, because the guys that I'm talking about are a hundred times better than anybody that anybody listening has ever played with or seen before. These are the best in the world. Um, but there are some things that are not puzzling. I mean, I called this when it happened when he got drafted, but Steven Strasburg retired after a 13 year career. And that actually, it seems like time flies, Bill, because it doesn't, uh, 13 years seems like a long time. Yeah, it definitely surprised me that he pitched for 13 years. Well, I think it surprised us because we never saw him. Right. Right. I mean, and I don't, you know, he made 247 starts in in 13 years. So he, he made less than an average of 20 starts a year. He had uh, four seasons of those 13 when he made five or less starts. Um, he did pitch the Nationals to a World Series title. Um but I, they also made a move that cost them, I think, a World Series title early in his career when they held him back and didn't let him pitch. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to go back. There's a couple guys. Excuse me. I'm watching Skeens this year. Uh, people talking about him being the highest prospect, rated prospect since Strasburg, who was the highest rated prospect since Pryor. Um, and I sit on draft day, Pryor and Strasburg. And going back to Chris Sale, uh, I said all three of those guys would – would be concerns, injury concerns. Um, because, And the amazing thing was, if you remember, uh, Bill, when Mark Pryor was drafted, everybody talked about the fact that he had picture-perfect mechanics. Yeah. And I would tell you, after watching him throw five pitches in college, that whoever made that comment has almost no grasp of pitching. His mechanics were the opposite of clean, clear, and and solid and fundamental and repeatable and and physically non-stressing. Same thing with Steven Strasburg. Um, and that he made $215 million uh, over 247 starts is pretty staggering. Um, I'm going to still argue that pitching a team to a World Series is worth half a billion to a billion dollars anyway. So he was worth the investment. Um, but two 200-inning seasons. And this one kind of blows me away. Two complete games in his career. 247 starts, two complete games. Three-time All-Star, double-digit wins in seven seasons, 3.2 ERA, 3.24, 1.1 a whip, 10.5 punch-outs for nine. Um, but and, and I, I, you know what? I, I don't. I'm not. And none of this is in disparagement of him, the person. I don't know him. Um, I'm sure he tried to do what he could do. Um, if he didn't, then you know, that's on him. But uh, one of those guys that you 
I think a lot of people expected more, and I, he was what I thought he was going to be. I remember his debut. He punched out 14 and in seven innings, and everybody was going crazy. Oh, and, he was electric. Oh, my goodness. He was filthy. Um, and I remember Tony Gwynn, I think, talking about him uh, when he came out of college because Tony coached him in San Diego State. Um, yeah. Uh, was expected to be a lot more. I again, I, he was what I expected. And and if you're a baseball team out there looking to draft pitching and you want to draft guys that aren't going to get hurt, give me a holler. So, um, and we'll get to another pitcher in just a minute who uh, is uh, who. Well, well, we'll get to it. Uh, the pitch clock, Bill. The pitch clock. We talked about it all year. You um, were entirely correct when the season started, Kurt. 40, uh, 4,319 pitches thrown on Friday night across Major League Baseball. For the first time in a full slate of 15 games this season, there were zero pitch clock violations. Uh, attendance is up not over 9%. Game time is down 25 minutes to 239. And I think if you went back, Bill, to the day that, that the decision on the pitch clock was made, the things they were hoping for, they got. 100%. All of them, and maybe even more. Um, well, this stat, Kurt, is exactly what you said. You said pitchers will adapt, and the pitch clock won't figure into how they were pitching right. after they got used to it. I'm still going to make the argument that we are done. We will never again see a Kurt Gibson moment. Right. We will never again see a yep. Joe Carter moment. We'll see dramatic hits and all the things that go with that. But there will be no five-minute highlight of a World Series ending at bat because at bats end in a minute. Don't know if people that's okay or not, but when you think about it, like uh, you know, I think back to Carlton Fisk in 1975, and I think you know, you look at the 1986 postseason with the Astros and the Phillies and and the Mets and the and Bill Buckner and that you know the Mookie Wilson ground that, mm. those things were all drawn out and dramatic and. That's over with. That's we're not going to have that anymore. Um, you'll have moments, but you won't have anything like those. And maybe people are okay with that. Um, but it's done what it, it, it was supposed to do. Now the stolen base stuff and the shift stuff. You know, I, I got some beefs there, but we'll we'll get to that later uh, this year. Um, <laughs> uh, a Rosarena, Randy Rosarena. Tampa Bay, who came up and hit like 15 home runs in a postseason series just when he was like 13 years old. Um, he uh, he had some issues with Albert Abreu of the Yankees and the Yankees and the raised empty benches again. Uh, not an uncommon thing in Tampa. Uh, I know we cleared with them a couple times. Boston cleared with them a couple times before I was there. Um, the Yankees and Rays don't like each other, but there comes a time as a team – when I think you have to start, you know, I, and people I know this day and age hate to hear stuff like this, but there's a there's a machismo thing in baseball that's real. Um, so let me let me let me read this to you. Abreu began the eighth inning uh, of the game uh, Sunday. He hit a Rosarena uh, with a 95 mile hour sinker, and it was he was throwing at him, uh, and not unbelievably, no question, no mistake, none. I can promise, I, I can tell you, I know the difference between a hit batter intentionally and one that isn't. And it's always very easy to tell. This was a hit batter on purpose. Uh, second time this year, he's plunked him. They, second time, Abreu's plunked him. Uh, fourth time in Sunday's game, 
the sixth time in a three-game series, and the twelfth time this year, a Rays hitter was hit by pitch from a Yankees pitcher. So uh, pitching in, and I don't know how many of those are intentional and all things to go with that, um, but uh, pitching in to Tampa is clearly a, a tactic and a strategy. Uh, you know, as young pitchers, young you'll see young pitchers hit hit hitters throwing in, they aren't necessarily trying to hit them, but they just don't know how to pitch in because they're spending no time in the minor leagues to learn how to do things like that. Um, there were no ejections or punches thrown, but the long-running tension was clear as both clubs met on the field. Raising infielder Yandy Diaz, who hasn't played in the past two days after being plunked in the left forearm uh, Friday night, appeared particularly upset as he joined the first fray. There's a lot of history and animosity between the clubs, specifically over inside pitches. A few that peaked when Chapman threw over Mike Brousseau's head, a role of Chapman during the 2020 season. So they don't like each other. But if you're Tampa, you have to um, you have to draw a line in the sand, in a sense, uh, because Yankee hitters should be nervous or afraid of going to the plate. The biggest problem in all of this is the umpires. This got away because of the umpires. And that's the problem is umpires don't know. And it, and it's a no-brainer in, in many ways, but umpires just don't know the difference between intentional and unintentional. And I've seen guys get thrown out and warned over some of the dumbest stuff you'll ever see. Because like, and umpires, I think really, and I think I've talked about this before, Bill, umpires don't like ambiguity. Right. Tell me what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to do it, and that's what I'll do. Um, anytime a ball hits a pitch, hits a hitter up in this area towards the back or goes behind him, that's a guy being thrown at. Ball goes over a guy's head, that's a guy being thrown at. With and I'm saying if you see a hundred guys get hit here or the ball goes behind him, 99 of those are intentional. Nine, at least 99. Um, just because you don't miss like that unless you're trying to. Um, now, again, you have pitchers that are young and can't pitch in. They'll come in. They'll knock guys down or whatever. But this was uh, this was this was intentional. And and as Tampa, you have to make a decision. Now, what happened? What you end up doing if you're a Tampa pitcher? If I'm pitching, if I'm starting the next day for Tampa. I, I make sure that I hit Aaron Judge somewhere where it hurts. Because if you're going to throw at our stars, your your stars are going to pay. And what that does is, and I, have, I was on teams where this happened, our young pitchers couldn't pitch inside, and guys on our team were getting hit. And Darren Dalton, in one of his better team meetings, he said, listen, if I get hit and hurt because you can't pitch inside, after the game I'm going to come in the clubhouse and kick your ass. And as young pitchers, you're like, okay. Done, uh, because the Yankee pitching staff uh, isn't doing the things it needs to do, uh, and they're in last place, and there's a lot of frustration and all well, the things go Kurt, with that. Go back to when you were a player. It seems to me there were an awful lot more times when uh, one pitcher would go inside and it was very obvious, and the ump would come out and warn both benches, and that would be it. I don't remember seeing that this year. No. Well, that's the problem, too. I, I would throw, and I've talked about this, if you don't knock a guy down, break his bat, or freeze him on a strike, pitching in is useless. Um, 
there are times when you'll knock a guy down on a ball that isn't. You remember the time that Clemens threw a ball up to Manny and Manny got mad and went out like point. It ball yes. wasn't really even close to Manny. It was just yeah. Mad. What happens is you tend to hit guys that dive. Guys tend to dive because they're not afraid of the ball in. Guys are not afraid of the ball in because pitchers don't pitch in a lot. So when a hitter dives and gets hit by a pitch going up for a ball on the outer half of the plate, because let me make something very clear. When you're sitting, when you're at the plate and you're sitting on the outer half of the plate and the guy out there is throwing 95 or 96 miles an hour and you go to hit a ball away, you can't get out of a ball, away out of the way of a ball in. You can't do it. It's coming too fast and you're too committed. So you're going to take it. Those are those are easy to see. This was intentional. He didn't move anywhere and, and the ball came up and hit. And so the diving and getting hit is you prevent that diving by pitching it. You you learn how to pitch in in the minor leagues. When you only have 58 innings in the minor leagues or 100 innings in the minor leagues, you haven't learned how to pitch in, and you're learning at the big league level. And that's that's a that's a recipe for what you're seeing. Yep. And like and, and you're right. Umpires just don't know. The older umpires do. Um, and then you'll see a lot of times a series. Uh, you'll see a, a series start out with warnings. Hey guys, we you know they'll follow the newspapers and the chitter chatter and. We know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And 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 then, you know, I when I was pitching, I made it a point if if there was a tension series to tell the umpire, listen, you know, I'm not going to throw at anybody on purpose. All right. I'm not going to try and hit you, but, but you can't stop me from pitching in. If I don't get if I can't work the inner half of the plate to off, I'm, I'm I, I have no chance of doing the job I'm getting paid to do. And, and I had the command and most guys in the big league at the time had that command to do those things. Like I said, I hit, I think, 52 guys in my career. I probably hit less than 10 accidentally. Um, but – and the game is different now. The game is different now. And and, uh, and and I don't know that that's for the better. And, and, and you know, letting players police themselves was not something that was going to stay and continue. So, you know, much like other sports, they're trying to get the violence out. So they're trying to make sure they stop it before it comes to a head. Um Baltimore. Baltimore puts uh, closer Felix Batista on the IL with the UCL injury, which means you're done seeing him for this year and maybe even next year. Um, this is a Tommy John thing. Uh, early indications, uh, manager Michael Ice said, early indications are he has some type of injury to the ulnar collateral ligament. So he'll be a Tommy John guy very soon. Um, that is terrible news for the O's, though. That is. That is. Uh, especially considering kind of your he's having and they're having. But if they are constructed and they believe themselves to be a championship team, somebody will step up. Well, the, the setup guy, Yanir Cano, has started there and had yep. mixed results this weekend. Yep. But he was also an all-star. Right. He's got a 157 ERA and a yep. .97 whip. And he throws gas. Right. The the the, the problem is, and I, I think I've said this multiple times on the show, getting three outs in the ninth is different Yeah. than getting three outs in the eighth or three outs in the seventh. It's yeah. just different. People don't like the sabermetricians despise that. But that's why you, you very rarely ever see bullpen by committee because of the mentality of the ninth inning is different than every other inning. It just is. That's just fact. And then, you know. Uh, speaking of pitching and and coming off of the uh, the Strasburg disappointment, um, God, how long ago was it? 
uh, 15, eight years ago, Noah Syndergaard made his yeah. debut. Uh, six, seven. Uh, and for those of you, I'm going to date myself and date us, Bill, but uh, the only thing I'd ever seen comparable to Noah Syndergaard was a guy named J.R. Richard who pitched for the Houston Astros uh, in the 80s. Um, six, seven, six, nine through upper 90s with a low 90s slider. It was just, it was, it was filthy. Um, the red flag for me with Syndergaard was anytime, and I said this earlier, anytime you see a guy that throws 95 plus and doesn't strike out more than a hit or an inning, he has to be one of two things. He has to be a sinker baller. Uh, and even those guys will get their strikeouts or he has to be someone with very minimal baseball IQ. Um, and by that, I mean, somebody who doesn't learn, somebody who doesn't progress, somebody who doesn't understand the physics of the game. Uh, because I look at Noah Syndergaard and, and I didn't see the start. I just know he got beat around a little bit, five runs, four hits and six. The Indians came back and won the game, by the way. But um, but he went six in the game and only gave up four hits. Of course, right. three of those were home runs. Right, right, right. And, and this is a like I said, this is a guy who I look at him and say, if he's throwing the ball ninety two to ninety five, uh, then he just has not found. And I thought Cleveland would be the place. They had the personnel in place because to of bring Frank him Kona. over there because of Frank Kona, because of the pitching coach, because of the environment they were creating for him. Uh. I got to believe the rest of the big league baseball is looking and going, well, listen, if they couldn't fix that there, then that's probably not fixable. Um, but somebody will take the gamble. Oh, somebody will pick them up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my biggest problem is that I look at that and say, you know, spend the winter. Give me your winner and, and I'll turn your career around because it's not. This is a situation where you bring him into the bullpen. You tell him to keep his mouth shut and you rebuild it from the ground up. Because the stuff's there. Uh, if it still is there, like I said, I didn't see his last start. I don't know what his velocities were. I didn't see any of this, any of his breaking stuff. But my guess is he's still in the low to mid nineties, which is more than adequate sure. to dominate in the big leagues. But this is a guy, you know, you heard me talk about command and control all the time. This is a guy who has no command of his fastball, none, and doesn't have a pitching IQ. Um, you don't see I, – I look at him and see a guy who's never called his own game or has always called his own game. One of the two because there's no reason this kid shouldn't be at the top of somebody's rotation. And, again, he was out with Tommy John and all things that go with that, and that, I understand that. But before that and after that, it hasn't been fixed, and that to me speaks volumes to – I can't. You can't say it's the coaching because he's had probably every kind of pitching coach you can have. Well, he, so, he went from the Dodgers to to the Indians this year. I mean, Dodgers. You, you know, my God, you went from Philadelphia to the Dodgers. You went from a bandbox to Yellowstone. Yeah, right. And if a guy, you know, you're if you're a fly ball pitcher, which you know the Gopher ball is getting at him. I mean, I can tell you, I I gave up. I led the league in home runs one year, <laughs> um, but I also had twenty four wins that year. Uh, right. Solo home runs don't beat you. But when you're when you when you can't command the fastball, you're this is what you end up with. And I don't care how he's I think I, I, I thought he would have learned early in his career, Bill, that when he was up in the upper 90s and he wasn't striking out 15 guys a game that, OK, I need to. To start pitching. And it just never seemed like that happened. He never made that move. He never 
I mean, my God, Jacob DeGrom, the, the staff that they had of young arms, you would have thought he, he, there would have been some internal competition and he would have pushed himself to get better. Uh, just it, it's frustrating. Again, I'm, I'm not I don't know the guy at all. Um, but from the outside looking in, there's it's not a and never has been a physical thing, even though he is a big kid. Um, that doesn't Randy Johnson was a big kid, too. He figured it out. Um, AL West Mariners. Uh, after Rodriguez had 27 hits in two games, um, what is this, two months now? Yeah. Almost two full months. They have been 11 of the last 12, 19 of the last 23, 21 of the last 26. Uh, they are in first place in the West for the first time uh, this late in the year since two, 20 years ago, 2003. Um, this surprises and, me, Kurt. Why? Because I think the Astros and the Rangers are really good baseball teams. But so it surprises you because of the other teams, not Correct. because of the Mariners. Right. Not because right. of the Mariners. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, we could go and for this a- to me is the schedule thing. Yes. And we could turn around, you know, we were talking earlier about three teams from the AL East being the wild in the wild cards. Could we see three from the West? I don't know. I I have to. I haven't checked the wildcard yeah. standings today. Well, but. I think right now it's uh, one, fr- two from the east, and one from the west. Right. Right. There, but it's it's six teams, which is yeah. really cool. You're going to see some some exciting final month of baseball, which is what the wild card uh, is doing. Hey, um, in Atlanta, uh, Austin Riley. Uh, Three consecutive 30 homer seasons. is He's the third uh, brave uh, third baseman ever to accomplish it. Um, behind two guys you may have heard of, <laughs> Chipper Jones and a guy named Eddie Matthews. Both of those guys, I think, have plaques in Cooperstown, um, which really surprises me, by the way, because how is Bob Horner not on that list? Um, but this kid, he's like, what, 26 years old now? Yeah. Um, He's got 30 bombs, 78 RBIs, hitting 273. It's fifth year in the big leagues. 127 homers, 354 RBIs. Uh, he was helped. He helped them to the 2021 World Series. He's won uh, a Silver Slugger, two-time All-Star. You know, it's funny, Bill. I look at players like this, and it never fails to amaze me that it's always the same organizations. It's always the Braves. It's always the Cardinals. It's always the Dodgers. It's always the Yankees. They come up with these homegrown talents. Yeah. They come to the big leagues and they're baseball players. And I don't want to simplify that, but there's a reason. And I'm always amazed at the clubs that try and reinvent the wheel. You know, Moneyball was good for the game in a, in a lot of ways, but I think it really screwed some teams. Um you know, you've got teams now that have gotten rid of entire scouting departments and they basically draft kids on their college statistics. And I think it shows sometimes, but those teams and, I, you know, you could argue the Rays are kind of in that corner and they continue to bring up great players. And they have, I mean, my God, great to young talent over the last 10 years. They hold them for five and a half years and then trade them uh, and turn those guys, you know, um, and you, you really rely on your scouting department to do that. But this is just 
the Braves, and I say it old school like I'm bitter and I'm not. I just like the teams that have that combination of new and old school. Uh, and it feels like the Braves have always been that way. Um, and this kid's just another in the line. I mean, what, Acuna, um, Riley. I mean, this, their, their young pitching is scary. It, Very. It, and, and most deep. of it, and almost all of it is homegrown as well. So uh, I got to fess up to a lie. I was wrong. I, I misremembered something. So when I was talking about my uh, amazing career against the Hall of Famer, uh, I missed something. And I I would swear to God that Eddie Murray went into the final game against me not having a hit in his career. And maybe he got two hits in that game. And I think I he that. did. Okay. Because I remember very vividly Eddie Murray coming up to the plate as a Dodger. He was oh for, I want to say, oh for like 23 lifetime off me. And it, it's a big deal because when I broke into the big leagues in 1988, I walked into the clubhouse in Baltimore. Eddie Murray was in that clubhouse. And Eddie Murray was good to me. Um, and and probably, I mean, Eddie Murray was a Hall of Famer then. Probably one of the greatest, well, not probably, but is one of the greatest switch hitters of all time. Um, and so I always had a tremendous fondness and respect for the man. Um, and I'll tell a story about him and Frank Robinson someday when I, I might have a beer before the show, I'm going to need one to tell it, but, uh, they, they didn't see eye to eye. So there was some fun stuff going on there. Anyway, uh, apparently Eddie had two hits off me in his career, not one. He was two for 26 in his career. Uh, six punch outs, two walks, no homers, no RBIs. Um, and that was, that's one that I'll, uh, I'll proudly take. No, because. but that, those numbers definitely should have been on the original list. So that's why they're well, in the and the other thing, the thing about it is, is I don't remember. Like, I could tell you why Jeter was the way he was early in my career, how I pitched him, why I did it. But I don't remember, like, having a plan against Eddie. Like, I was always – my first couple times I faced him, I was so in awe that 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 I just pitched. Um well, and then, 26 at bats isn't exactly, you know. No, no, that's a lot. It was it, he was with the Mets when I I faced him a lot with the Mets. That makes sense. Um, when I was with the Phillies, uh, in in but uh, and then I like I said I finished up with him against the Dodgers. But I'll I'll proudly hold that up there with the ball that I struck out Cal Ripken with that I took out the ball I struck out Tony Gwynn with that I took out of the game. Uh, those were those were life defining moments for me. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's the show for this week. Uh, got a little surprise for you guys on Friday. Uh, former teammate, uh, one of the better center fielders that ever played behind me, uh, and a guy who – how do I put this? A guy who defined – and I'm saying this with all love in the world – who defined idiot when I was with the Red Sox. Uh, and was very proud of it. Johnny Damon's going to join me uh, on Friday's show, and we're going to talk, and I promise you we're going to laugh, and we're going to tell really stupid stories, and we might even share the live story together so you can watch us laugh about it because that's one of the all-timers. So anywhere you get your podcast, guys, uh, Apple, uh, um, Spotify, Spotify, outkick.com is where we'd like you to go. Um to get to get this one and spread the word um keep, keep help keep us grow help keep us growing um but uh, johnny damon on the show friday bill john and you guys have a wonderful week 
we John, go back to back interviews, Kurt. Johnny Damon oh. Friday and the full Rod Carew oh. on the following Tuesday. There we go. There you go. So, so we give everybody Labor Day off. Johnny Damon on Friday, the full Rod Carew interview on Tuesday. Neither one you're going to want to miss. I promise you they're going to be fun and funny. Bill, you guys have a great week. I'll catch up with you guys on Friday.